Hey folks, welcome back to the Newsprint Commando. I am your host, Ed Moore. Capital Comics Nexus Volume 2, Issue Number 5, cover dated January 1984, is what I'm looking at. This is the 11th episode of the show and the 11th episode of our Capital Comics chapter. Now, this issue has two stories in it. The first, Drinking Man's Tour of the Galaxy, scripted for us by Mike Barron, penciled and inked by Steve Rude, colored by Les Dorscheid, as are all of the Capitol books, lettered by Mary Pulliam. Now, if you were looking for this and you don't have access to the original, you can find this reprinted, both of these stories actually, in Nexus Legends from First Comics, issue number 5, cover dated September 1989, and Nexus from Dark Horse Comics number 1, cover dated April 1993. So on the cover here, we have a big head of Judah yelling, I'm bored, uh, painted inked, colored, whatever else about the picture by Steve Rude for us for this book. Inside front cover is the typical editorial of, uh, of interest, of note to me, I guess, was the fact that uh, Richard Brunning was bemoaning the fact that Marvel's current, at this time, uh, technique was to flood the market uh, with product in hope that everyone's money would be spent on the Marvel product, not leaving them money to spend on anyone else's product. Uh, and he was um, expressing that he did not feel that that was healthy for the market to only have, you know, basically one choice and, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as a lot of what people say today. You know, Marvel and DC are what? I don't know, 75, 80 percent, maybe more of the market. So you have uh, a choice plus one. Marvel, I feel, I, I think, still typically leads in uh, skew share, uh, number share, and uh, money share. Maybe not by a whole whole lot over DC, but the two of them together. You know, so you go somewhere uh, and you have two choices. I don't know how many stories I have heard about uh, comic book stores where someone will ask, you know, hey, can you get uh, get Capital Comics Nexus for me uh, for you know. Two, two months down the road, they, they put it in their pull, and the uh, the comic shop people will say, no, we don't we don't buy that book, we don't order that book. So, whole nother whole nother issue. But um, it, my point, I guess, is that it's still going on today, and it will continue to go on uh, until somehow, some way, the money and market share for Marvel and DC is broken, and the only way to do that is for people to buy other books. But there are so many zombies out there that all they do, all they buy, all they think are Marvel and DC. And I, I just don't, I don't understand why that's the case. You know, so many people absolutely refusing to try anything new. I just, it makes me ask why they, why they do it. What, you know, what are you after? I, I can tell you when it comes to their music, when it comes to their TV shows, when it comes to their movies, they don't watch one producer. They don't listen to one producer of music. They listen. They watch everything. But when it comes to comic books, people are just so, you know, Marvel only. I only do superheroes, which is fine. Superheroes. There's other companies that do superheroes. You know, yeah, I just, people, people befuddle me. And if I can be just brutally honest with you to a very large extent, I don't even like people, but I deal with them. So, sorry. It's a deeper dive than you really need. So the inside 
uh, first page is a color page starting at the top with a quote from Sam Goldwyn that uh, where he said, what we want is a story that starts with an earthquake and works its way up to a climax. And I believe Sam Goldwyn is the G for MGM Studios, I think, right? Sam Goldwyn talking about making his movies. Our picture is uh, autographed for us or creatively signed signed for us by Baron and Rude. And in the middle is a orange rimmed square. The inside panel of the square is a panel from the book. But along the left and bottom, we have Drinking Man's Tour of the Galaxy, the title of the story. And then in the upper right and down, we have Nexus Across, number five down. Famous last words also here. So that, But that's, that's a, a panel from inside the story. We open with the scene of Judah. We met Judah a couple issues ago, three issues ago. Uh, hitting somebody here looks like with a huge boof and then screaming out, I'm bored as he's fallen to his knees. And the individual that he punched here asks him, are we through sparring? And Judah says, yes, thank you, Bruce. I want you to work on not getting hit. Call me in a few weeks. We'll have another lesson. So we cut to Judah again here uh, upside down in the panel. We start out just seeing his head, and then the uh, camera backs away, and we see more of his body, and then we see all of him. He is hanging from a, some sort of exercise bar. Looks like maybe outside of a window of where he lives, something like that. And he tells us, it's true, I, the greatest independent adjudicator in the web, in the web. I, yeah, I didn't get that. Am bored stiff. I have conquered every foe, fulfilled my every desire. I have beautiful women at my beck and call. Hey, Gladys. And Gladys sticks her head out uh, and says, what you want, big fella? And he swings in and scoops her up and gives her a big kiss and then looks away and says, still bored. So they're going back and forth here. Uh, she's trying to be supportive, giving him some ideas and says, uh, well, why don't you go play with one of your little friends? <sighs> Very condescending, I thought. But he says, great nexus, as he has an idea. She replies, oh, for Stern's sake, I was joking. He lives clear on the other side of the galaxy. But Judah won't be dissuaded. He's going to uh, hook up with nexus and he's going to take him on a tavern hopping expedition. He says, The lad hath ne'er tasted aught but table wine. The wonders of the universe await. And she tells him, Look, dog, if you scoop up your friends and go on a big drinking binge, don't expect me to be back here waiting for you when you get back. He seems unfazed. She drops an exclamation here earlier on. Gulasarian knows he's not an easy man to love. G-O-U-L-E-S-S-A-R-I-A-N. So... I wonder if that's something um, that we've been exposed to already. I don't recognize the word, or we're just being shown that she is alien by uh, swearing upon something that is alien. We cut to Ilum, where Horatio and Sundra are excavating beneath everything. Uh, he is engaged in his archaeological activities that we have seen uh, more and more Horatio is wanting to do, kind of as an aside to being Nexus, to kind of even those things out. And he's digging things up and uh, bemoaning the fact that he's not uh, conversant enough in the language of anthropology, archaeology, to know necessarily what he's doing, what he's seeing, how to describe it. And Sundra tells him, you know, we've got a planet full of people here. Some of them have got to be experts in what you're, what you're talking about. Why don't we see if we can get them to help us? And Horatio at first is kind of reluctant because this is kind of his thing. Uh, the only way to access these ruins is through a hole in his room that he 
knocked out. So initially, the only way to the ruins would be through his bedroom. And he's like, no, pe- people aren't going to walk through my bedroom to get here. You know, that's not happening. But they go upstairs and they gather, I don't know, there's 10, 12 people here, along with a, a doctor or a professor Muntz and Horatio and Sundra. So they've gotten a select number of people, and months divides them up into teams. And one of the teams we're introduced to is Euglesia 69, Fastener with two Fs, Bakelite. And isn't, isn't Bakelite something that they used to make, like, radios out of? Bakelite, yeah, you know, desktop radios, countertop radios, Bakelite. Uh, and Lhasa Rangoon. And so that that is one of the teams, and the professor sets them about, and we see them discussing how they're going to break things up. But curiously, uh, we follow Lassa to her private headquarters afterwards, and she is uh, un, undressing, unmakeuping here because she says, I stood before them, before the father of my child and a woman who was my friend and is now my most bitter enemy. I assume they're talking about Horatio and Sundra, or she is talking about them. They did not recognize me. Sometimes I don't recognize myself. And and the woman is green-skinned, but we see a little uh, pre-skin tone face up here in the corner showing us who she is. And I guess I'm I'm just too doofy at this point. I don't don't recognize her. Um, So maybe between now and next Nexus issue, I'll go back to the issues and see if I can, you know, I, I I, off the top of my head, I don't remember Horatio having sex with anyone other than Sundra. So I don't know if I'm missing something or if this is a play on us, you know, as the reader. Uh, but we cut back to Horatio and Sundra overlooking now the dig rather than being the only diggers in the dig. And we have the appearance suddenly of Judah who screams out, Great Nexus, prepare yourself. We embark instanter on a drinking man's tour of the galaxy. <laughs> and Horatio palms his face and says, no, no, we don't. And Sundra is kind of leaning on Horatio, and you see her turned and looking at Judah, and she says, hello, Judah, just very nonchalantly. Well, Judah, Judah runs in and, and lays a big uh, f- festive congenial kiss on her and tells Horatio, as I was saying, a drinking man's tour. Are you lame or are you game? And Horatio says, but I have work to do. And and Judah just goes into all these histrionics singing Mammy, Mammy. He's an alien, some, and he sings Mammy. I, yeah, my disbelief is starting to be a bit stretched here with this issue, uh, with this story, actually. Uh, well, with this portion of the story, Horatio gives in. Uh, later that night, he's talking to Sundra and says, are you sure you don't want to come? She says, Horatio, if you ask me that one more time, I'm going to scream. So he's either wanting her company or wanting her to tell him he can't go, or one or the other. She does neither. He says, don't scream as he's giving her a kiss. So the next morning, Horatio and Judah take off. Judah uh, imbibing with beer here for breakfast. So we head out to the black hole, and we're told... Yip, yip, yabba, yabba. Welcome, you thinking and non-thinking beings, and you beings and non-being things. Welcome to the startling singularity room of the scintillating black hole, circling the beautiful, albeit dying red star, Cygnus 9. And uh, I think it's actually orbiting a black hole, right on the edges. Uh, We have a showman 
who is rather Stanley-esque. I, I know that at times Stanley has appeared as a circus showman in Marvel Comics, big top hat and everything. Except this guy doesn't have the mustache and glasses, but he is chomping on a cigar and he is he seems shorter than a, a normal person would be. He introduces us to Clone Zone the Hilariator, who appears as unto a anthropomorphic mm, croc crocodile or alligator of some sort. And he starts joking uh, with the crowd and his jokes get more, uh, get, get poorer and poorer the more he jokes and the crowd gets more and more unruly the poorer and poorer his jokes get. Uh, finally, the crowd has had enough and they attack him. They start throwing stuff and then ultimately some people jump up on stage, stage diving him and uh, Judah jumps in to try to rescue him and in the middle of the melee, we see a really large, maybe furry, anthropomorphoid creature uh, tapping Horatio on the shoulder and says, Yo, vertebrate, are you with that thune? And Horatio says, Be gone. I do not engage in fisticuffs. And the big dude says, Ha! And lifts up a chair and he's about to bash Horatio with it. But Horatio just raises his hands above his head and energizes the chair to the chair to bits and then fires a, a beam knocking the dude off the frame off the panel. So Horatio now has had enough. He jumps up on stage with Thune, tries to stop everything, but it's it's too far gone. And so with a huge boom, he reveals himself to be Nexus, at which point he and Judah are able to leave the stage. Judah is uh, inebriated tries to direct the ship but fails, ultimately getting the ship with Judah and Horatio caught in the black hole. They uh, pass the event horizon. They actually enter the black hole. Uh, lose all power. I guess it gets sucked out of the ship, essentially. After floating around for some indeterminate amount of time, the ship pops out into a much more colorful area and lands atop a giant wall. Uh, the top is only two feet wide, so the ship doesn't really sit there very well. But um, Judah indicates, I'm not sure one of them indicate, we can't tell who's talking, maybe it's Judah, says the wall is 10,000 10, miles high. I don't know how they know that, but as they're trying to figure out what's going on, the ship sits on the wall. Uh, facing perpendicular to the way the wall runs. But their weight on the front edge of the ship causes the ship to tip. They still don't have any power, so they tip over and start sliding down. Um, to me, what looks to be the front face of a large dam, you know how a dam is curved? Um, it looks like they're slipping down the front face of a dam, although it may just be the way that the wall is is drawn for our for our perspective. And so now the ship is plummeting, sliding down the face of this wall, um, I don't know, ultimately 10,000 miles. Who, who knows? Um, nothing works. Besides, can you hear it? Horatio says, hear what? Judah says, the hull. It's grinding up. So they're, they're physically, I don't know why the ship is staying against the wall and not falling away from it, right? Like something normally would. If you dropped something, it's not going to stay um, directly in contact with that wall. It'll... Yeah, fall away from. But the ship is so it's it's grading the bottom of the hull of the ship as it's falling down the wall. We're told to be continued. Second story. 
the hammer. A couple uh, quick blurbs here to uh, set us up. The first one, before Judah joined forces with the heads and became an independent adjudicator, he worked at many jobs. At one time, he was the super heavyweight pro wrestling champ of the inner web humanoid division. Always mindful of his civic responsibilities, Judah frequently performed for charities plus expenses. And then we're told down here of immediately what's going on. Benefit for Amnesty Interplanetary. The Hammer versus Black Death McGee. 45 rounds. Saturday, June 14th at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. Um, I didn't know that the, the Earth was so intergalactic at this point. Unless there's another Santa Monica somewhere. So we open here with Judah pre-fight, and his manager is telling him that he needs to check up on Black Death and see what he's up for, and Judah keeps begging off and saying, you know, he's the champ, he doesn't need to, and all these other things. And before he really gets a, chan a chance, he gets called to the, to the ring. And the announcer is a little robot who tells us the super heavyweight champion will attempt to bake his prize-winning salmon souffle between rounds, while his opponent is hors de combat. Tonight's souffle will be entered in the interplanetary bake-off, we're told. And in this, and in the black corner, Black Death McGee weighing in at a trim slim 237 kilograms and undefeated in 753 professional bouts. And uh, Black Death looks like a just a shadowy figure. I mean, he's, he's colored like a shadow with lots and lots of arm and back hair, uh, which almost look like bristles. And he's got dark trunks on and, and dark wrestling boots. So he runs out and Judah puts him down and starts calling out aspects of his recipe that he's making. And in between um, physical contact with the Black Death, right? Is that what he is? Yeah, Black Death. Um, he's continuing talking about his recipe. But over time, the Black Death starts wearing him down. So his calling out of what he's doing and his recipe ingredients and things like that start to not make sense. Finally, uh, an assistant comes up, Pincus, and uh, Pincus starts helping him with the uh, recipe. And he gets to the point where it's it's partially prepared. And so Judah grabs it and, and shoves it down the throat of Black Death and knocks him out with the half-done recipe. And our robot referee tells us, winner by TKO and still super heavyweight champion, raising Judah's hand. And his, uh, I guess that's his manager, Pincus, uh, yells out, Judah, the Culinary Arts Commission disallowed your entry in the interplanetary bake-off. And as he's walking off with two intergalactic playboy bunnies here, Judah asks, ask them if they'll go two out of three. And on a cake over here with a candle, we see the end. So, that. Ah. Next page is the Nexus portfolio ad that we saw in last issue's Whisper. Uh, next page is a great gobs of goodies, uh, a much more full uh, ad for the different things that you can buy. Um, the Nexus, let's see. Yeah, here's the Nexus portfolio. Uh, you can get the Flexi Tape from Nexus Volume 1, Issue 3 uh, by itself. Posters, T-shirts, buttons, subscriptions, individual back issues here. Um, volume 1, 
Nexus issues one and two are both sold out, but they have three, which has that flexi disc. And then they have the first five issues of the color series, volume two available, two issues of the Badger and one of Whisper. So actually, that's everything we've talked about so far. Nexus fan club ad on the other side. Uh, the, here is the coupon, your order form for the catalog-ish page on the left here. We turn the page. We have two pages of letter pages. Mm, nothing... I read through these. Nothing really jumps out. I don't recognize any of the names. There is somebody here talking about Badger number one. I'm not sure why that's in a Nexus letters page unless this is intended to just be a Capital Comics letter page. One, two, three, four, five letters. Next page is a half-page Whisper ad and a half-page Nexus Volume 1, Issue 3, Flexic Comic half-page ad. Inside of the back cover is an, uh, the same black and white Star Slayer ad that was in Whisper. And then on the back cover is a full-color ad for Badger number 3, which is the uh, next, right, issue number 3? Yeah, that's the next book uh, that we're going to be talking about as I go through the Capital Comics offerings. Um, this issue overall, the second story, the wrestling story, I was kind of interested because I'm a big wrestling stan, so that was cool. Um... The humor, I don't know. The, the humor, I'm not sure if it's in this book or maybe humor in general. Maybe I'm just not a, a, a funny person anymore. But the humor just didn't do it for me. Uh, the humor in the first story, the bar hopping, the bar scenes, all of that didn't do anything for me. Uh, the ending of that first story where they're on the wall having gone through the black hole, well, that's kind of intriguing. You know, I'm wondering, is the wall uh, kind of a synonym with the source wall that DC Comics uses, perhaps? I don't know. Going to be something completely different? I don't know. Is it real, uh, having gone through the black hole, or is this something in their head? You know, a, a lot of a lot of what-ifs there. Uh, it's cool that they continue to use the diggings under uh, all of the regular city on Ilum as far as archaeological dig and that Horatio is still into that. I'm, I'm sure that will be used to give us further story plot points later on. That's cool that they've kept that up. So, good good story so far. Um, I'll be honest, uh, what is this, five and three is eight? Eight issues in. I am not sure what the big deal about Nexus is. Um, I could be missing a part of it because I'm reading it now and not, um, you know, what, almost 30 years ago? Right? No, 92, almost 40 years ago. Woof. So, um, you know, maybe that's part of what I don't get. Um, I don't know. I, I just haven't seen the, the big deal. Maybe maybe it's Nexus as a whole. It's the entire journey that is the, the relevant picture and not just this portion of the beginning of the journey. We'll see as we go on. We've got a another couple or one well actually we've got one more issue of nexus that i'm going to be talking about here as i wrap up my coverage of capital comics but hopefully um having listened to someone else talk about nexus uh this will motivate others in the blogosphere kyle to pick up nexus and give us a real take you know since i uh, you know really don't know what i'm talking about to be honest with you um i'm sure Kyle can do a, a much better job talking about these first eight um, issues and, and or first nine issues and carrying on and covering Nexus. I believe he indicated he had some interest in doing that. So maybe my asking him, uh, giving him the nudge, nudge elbow to carry that on um, will will help him decide to continue talking about Nexus as he initially wanted to. 
Start at the very beginning. That's cool. I would love to hear someone else's take on these first nine issues and and carry on. And and perhaps you, someone else, can convince me that Nexus is a big deal. Uh, I'm not seeing it so far. All of that having been said, if you want to leave feedback, you can Facebook me at Teal Productions. You can tweet me at Teal Productions. Teal is T-E-A-L in both cases. If you want to email, you can email IamIndieMan, I-N-D-I-E, IndieMan, at gmail.com. The website is comicbooknoise.com slash T-N-C, Tango November Charlie, if you want to leave comments there. Either way, uh, I'll be happy to entertain your comments, answer any questions, whatever, you know, whatever our interaction needs to be. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Next episode, episode 12 of the show, I'll be looking at Badger Volume 1, issue number 3. Talk to you then. Ciao.